All right, everyone, time for another edition of Holding Court. And I uh, asked you all on Twitter what you wanted to talk about today, early February in 2022. And so many of you, of course, wanted to talk about the great Argentine who it appears has played his last tennis match as a professional. That, of course, is Juan Martin Del Potro, also known as the Tower of Tandil, otherwise known as the Gentle Giant. Uh, many nicknames for Mr. Del Potro, but uh, he has captured the hearts of many, many people with the way he's handled this, which uh, we didn't know that it was likely his last match that he is going to play uh, as a professional until just a couple of days before uh, he actually took to the court in his home country of Argentina against one of his uh, friends, another Argentine uh, named Federico Del Bonis, who is someone he's known for a long time. It was a straightforward, straight set match. I got to see uh, quite a bit of it. Actually, I thought Juan Martin looked like he was actually moving reasonably well when you consider uh, the fact that he's had multiple knee surgeries over the last couple of years, uh, trying to rehab as he's been doing. It was the wrist, as you remember, back uh, in 2010, 2012, I believe, where he had the couple of wrist surgeries, which initially took him off the tour, of course, after he had won that incredible U.S. Open title in 2009 when he beat uh, Rafael Nadal, actually blew Nadal out of the water in that semifinal match. Nadal was not quite at 100%, but Juan Martin just blasted him off the court in straight sets and then had that epic five-set win over Roger Federer, one of the matches that uh, Federer, over the course of his great career, probably felt like he should have gotten because he had a chance to close that out. I believe it was in the fourth set. I actually remember calling that match with uh, our own Darren Killer Cahill. We weren't on the air for ESPN, but we called it in case it turned out to be a classic, which of course it was. So I was sitting in a little booth uh, outside Arthur Ashe Stadium with Darren, uh, a little VO booth, not actually in the stadium, calling the match, which of course we've gotten used to doing a bit more recently through these COVID times as we did covering this year's Australian Open and last year as well from ESPN headquarters up in Connecticut. But again, this is about, uh, at least for a few minutes, I'd like to spend on Juan Martin because uh, he's just class personified as I tweeted out when I heard his announcement that this would be his last match. And uh, people reacting to that, reacting to him, reacting to his press conference, breaking down in tears as he did on the court during the match. Uh, he invited his mom to come and see. Apparently his mom had never seen him play in a professional match, which is hard to believe, uh, but maybe not that hard to believe as uh, many parents get uh, very uptight and very emotional watching their kids play. And as you can see, Juan Martin, not a guy who was afraid to show his emotions as such a you know big, um, powerful player, sort of, you know, macho type of game. But when you talk about his personality uh, and being you're just very emotional, very sensitive, not, not always what you would equate with someone of his stature uh, as a professional uh, athlete, a professional tennis player. But uh, he had some of the great moments in tennis, of course, winning a, a, a bronze medal, winning a silver medal in the Olympics. Huge win as he had over Novak Djokovic that was on the grass at Wimbledon during the London Olympics when he 
he bested him. I believe that was for the bronze, or maybe it was a semi, uh, when he beat Djokovic. He lost that that incredible match. To, oh, he lost to Federer, that's right, in the semis of that one. That was like 2018 in the third set. And uh, so he's had some remarkable runs, uh, and it, it wasn't so much his game, his power game, but it was more his personality and his demeanor playing such such a, an incredibly powerful game, but with a, with a certain dignity to him, you know, a gentleness, if you will, despite the fact that he just had, you know, probably the biggest forehand anyone could hit. And when he hit it well, uh, and I've had many people on, uh, mentioned to me again, thank you for reaching out on Twitter with some ideas about this podcast, which is just me going off the cuff here, uh, for a while about, you know, the speed of the game and the physicality of the game. Is that something that uh, is partly to blame for Del Pocho's career being cut so short and what could have been if he had been able to stay healthy? All those are, are very interesting questions. I'll start with the the injury side of it. I, I think a guy to compare him to, which is, is interesting because they actually started playing against each other as teenagers uh, in the Orange Bowl, which is a, one of the biggest junior tennis tournaments held in Miami, Florida over the years, still is a big one. And he played a guy by the name of Marin Cilic, I believe in the boys. I think it was the boys 14s final they played. So they're similar age, both 33 both big, tall guys. There's actually a video on YouTube of the two of them playing. It's kind of hilarious. These two skinny, super tall, 14-year-olds. And if you watch the way they played over the years, actually, technically, I mean, there's, there's almost nothing wrong with Del Potro's game other than he's just got huge levers. His arms are super long. But if, it, if you look at his technique, it's ab- absolutely phenomenal. I mean, you wouldn't teach anybody to play uh, you couldn't teach anyone to play better than the way he p- strikes a ball, his technique, his flow through the ball. And you have Chilich, who's you know also a great athlete too, and the same size, a little more mechanical than Chilich. So if you would have said to, if you showed me those two players, and said you know one of these guys is going to be battering, battling injuries throughout his entire career, I would say Chilich. And you know they're both both hard workers. Chilich is known for his work ethic. Um, still working hard and still being, you know, successful. Of course, he won his one uh, major at the U.S. Open as well. He's reached a couple, couple other Slam finals. At his best, he was never as good as Del Pocho, but he's had more more longevity. Is my point. He's still out there playing now in his mid thirties. So I'm not sure you can. I think the speed of the game has something to do with you know, more injuries, more hip injuries, like Andy Murray just actually finished watching him beat Bublik, a guy who just won a title last week in Marseille. So, you know, Murray's still battling. He's a little bit older than Del Potro, not as tall. I do think for the taller players, it's more difficult, you know, to be able to have that long career to play at the optimum level just because of their size. And remember, tennis is a sport that's played in a, in a fairly small area. So you have to move quickly. You have to change direction. So that's why you see the hips, the knees, the ankles for Juan Martin. It's been, you know, the knee later in his career, his wrist, uh, a lot of more wrist injuries now and hip injuries now in the last 20 years in tennis. Remember even Gustavo Kirten, the great uh, Brazilian player had hip injuries. Magnus Norman was another uh, great clay court, good, good, 
all around player. And of course, he's been a great coach for many years, including coaching Stan Wawrinka. So you're seeing more of those torque injuries on the wrist, uh, on the hips, the elbows as well. And I think Juan Martin, probably a product of that, you know, just playing the game at such a high level, high level of intensity um, that his, his body broke down. It's, and look, some of it is just bad luck, obviously. Uh, it's not like, you know, Mar- Juan Martin was always very fit. Uh, could play long matches. Even when he got tired, he was still dangerous with that serve and his ability to strike. Uh, great slice backhand as well for a guy who had a, who had an amazing two-hander. And his two-hander was never really the same after he had those multiple wrist injuries. So when he came back, it was almost like he was playing uh, without one hand. He, he was playing with a slice and hitting more forehands, which that took a lot out of him because he had to cover more court. He wasn't used to that. Um, but we will remember him. And, and, and again, you never know, maybe he rethinks it. Maybe if he, maybe if he takes a little pressure off of himself coming back, because we've watched videos of him over the years where he's, you know, rehabbing, he has another surgery and then you see him in a boot, you see him in a cast and you think, Oh, like, when is this going to end? So obviously this became very taxing for him emotionally and mentally, understandably. Uh, and I think that's what finally forced him to say, and I don't know if he was planning this, to say this could be my last tournament, then uh, maybe he's going to play another tournament in in Rio de Janeiro. There's a South American swing going on at the moment. Uh, So he may reconsider. I don't know. Uh, It was obviously something that has been on his mind, but you sort of wonder if maybe this was a little bit of his emotion taking over because as he said, he's tired of living with this pain and he's obviously had to deal with a lot of pain and trying to come back from his, his multiple injuries and surgeries over the course of five, six years. Uh, And as to the other question that a lot of people have uh, put out to me on Twitter, he would have been uh, right there with, with the big three. And I disagree with that. I think as 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 great as Juan Martin was at his best, uh, I look at him more like I think he, he could have and probably would have if he'd stayed healthy, won a couple more majors, a la Stan Wawrinka, a guy who, you know, was never at the top consistently, but when he got hot at, at major, could beat anybody as he as he showed in beating Djokovic a couple of times, beating Nadal, who was uh, injured in that Australian Open final, uh, winning the French, winning U.S. Open. So he won all, all, all three of those majors. And I think Juan Martin could have done that. But I think let's break it down a little bit. On uh, him at his best on a hard court, Del Potro would still be going up against likely Nadal at his best. You could make the case that Del Potro could could win that. Uh, certainly six, you know, five out of 10 times. Djokovic, I don't think you could make the same argument. I think you could say if he plays Djokovic, they're both playing their best. It's uh, Djokovic is going to win that on a hard court eight or nine times uh, as you know, they played at the U.S. Open final uh, later in Del Po's career. And Djokovic won that pretty handily in straight sets. Federer, obviously, he he had a, a couple of great wins over Federer. Did Del Potro that U.S. Open final, beat him in the Indian Wells final, which was his first Masters 1000 title, which was a great match in a third set tiebreak, I believe it was. But still, Federer at his best is going to beat Del Potro, certainly on a hard court, definitely on grass. So if you, uh, if you go down the grass court route, which Del Potro played well there too, made the semis of, of Wimbledon once, made a couple semis at uh, the French Open. So he could play on any surface is my point. 
but he, he, the, those other guys were better than him on those on, on the various other services. So I do think that uh, he would have won a couple more majors. But if I'm if I'm, we'll never know. Uh, I would say you know another two to three majors that he could have would have won if he had been healthy. And I and I, again I, I've always said this about and this may be starting to change with you're seeing Medvedev who's the same size height wise six six, but a little. A little leaner than Del Potro, he's you know a little more flexible, uh, which may be, in the long run, good for his uh, ability to stay healthy throughout his career, and doesn't hit the ball as big as often, uh, and so doesn't torque. He's got more feel uh, than Del Potro does. Oh, Del Potro had, had, was a great volleyer, sent a great technique everywhere, but he sort of thumped the ball more. Medvedev can thump it, but he also massages it. And then you've got Sitsipas, who's six four. You've got Zverev, who's kind of more of a big hitter, like uh, uh, like Del Potro is, but a little little bit better moving around the court. Although I don't think he at his best is as good as Del Pocho. So I think these younger, it'll be interesting to see over the course of the next, of the next decade if those big, tall guys can stay consistent and can stay uh, at the top of the game into their 30s. I think Medvedev can. I'm not sure about the other guys, although Sitsipas is a little, a little shorter and, and very athletic. But I think generally the, the, the best height for at least a male tennis player at the moment is still that. Six one to six three range, which is of course where Federer, Nadal, Djokovic, Murray, uh, Vavrinka was in there as well. Uh, and then you're seeing guys come up now like Alcaraz, who maybe six feet, maybe six one, Sinner, six two, six three. I think that that size is probably the best size to be able to hit. You you get the benefit from uh, your height on the serve but also the movement and the flexibility and the recovery. And I think those are things that hurt Juan Martin over the course of his career. He did get up to number three in the world. He won 22 career titles. I told you about the U.S. Open win. I told you about the semis at the other majors a couple times in the quarters uh, of the Australian Open. And one of the biggest uh, things for him, I know, was winning Davis Cup. And he was won that for Argentina. Because Argentina, you know, had so many great players for many, many years and never were, was able to win the Davis Cup. Uh, so he did that in 2016. And that was a come from behind win that helped clinch it or help win it when he beat Chilich. He was two sets down in that match. So that was, um, I'm sure he would say, one of his biggest individual wins because that that was very uh, emotional for him and his country. He's a he's a hero in, in Argentina. There may be guys like Vilas and Clerk that um, had overall better careers. Vilas certainly did. Clerk uh, never won a major. Jose Jose Luis Clerk was a great player top player. I think Del Pocho was, was better at his best. Uh, uh, but I think it's more his personality, uh, his more personality, uh, just respect for the other players. Uh, his, his love of the game. He's a, an incredible sportsman, incredible person. I don't know him that well, other than, you know, see him in at tournaments over the years, but just is universally liked as far as I know. Um, you know, and he's kind of, he's kind of done his own thing in, in Argentina because he's sort of larger than life. So I don't, I'm not sure he's kind of one of the boys down there in the way that, you know, they kind of, they run in circles. I mean, they run in sort of groups, at least when I was playing and, and early in my broadcasting career, but, uh, just loved 
all over the world and particularly by players from from other countries and you saw a lot of players sending messages out to him in the course of the last few days marty fish dennis shapovalov nick kyrgios uh, you go down the list of players that have reached out to him on social media. So we will miss him. Uh, he's been great for tennis. Uh, let's hope he can be happy in whatever he decides to do. If he wants to keep playing and try to uh, get back on the tour, great. If he doesn't, it's been a hell of a ride. The gentle giant, the Tower of Tandil, it sounds like, is done. Holding Court with Patrick McEnroe is powered by Mudhouse Media. Thank you.